0: My guess is uh, after three weeks on money, some of you are really relieved today's the last day, um, but <clears throat> I've in- enjoyed this whole uh, uh, kind of discussion about money. And I will tell you, out of everything that a-, a guy like a pastor like me gets up and talks about, this is the one thing we avoid at all costs. I'd rather speak about anything, how, how bad our marriages are, how awful our kids are, how bad I am personally, any day of the week than talk about, about money. Uh, But it's really been kind of an interesting approach to this whole idea. Uh, And we're going to start off by, I'm going to tell you something that I'm guessing you're already going to know. If you don't know, you're going to be happy that you do know this. And tomorrow, you know, when you're at work, you can impress people with this useless bit of information. But here's something you you might already know, is that it's easier to stay warm than it is to get warm. Now, you should know this because if you're you're not aware, we live in Maine and we're cold like six months of the year. But people down south, they don't know this because they're warm like, like all the time. And even when they're not warm, when they say they're cold, we we Mainers know it's not really cold. My family lives in Pennsylvania, and I remember my my brother complaining one time because it got down to like 12 degrees. And I was like, dude, it's been negative 10 for three months. What are you talking about? We know what it's like to be cold. But this is some interesting information, is that it's easier to stay warm than it is to get warm, and, and here's why. Because when, when you're cold, your body begins to fight, right? It, it, it fights, basically, to preserve itself, that your mind is kind of smarter, or your body, rather, smarter than, than, than your mind when you're cold. Uh, you know, your, your, the blood vessels that are close to the skin, they begin to constrict and contract to keep more blood in to protect your organs, and your body kind of goes into, into overdrive. You burn more fuel. It's really taxing on your nervous system. Your nervous system begins to, to kind of get stressed out a little bit. It's easier for you to stay warm than it is to get warm. And it's the same way with your money. Well, sort of. We'll come back to that in just a moment. Um, we're on this, uh, this, this thought of, if your money could talk, what would your money say? That if, if your money could give you some financial advice, what, what, what advice would it bring? And, and what's interesting is, as we've kind of walked through this, it's not so much of what we find interesting, of what your money would say that if it could talk, it's really the parallel of what Jesus did say when Jesus did talk about your money and possessions, and something that we've hit each week here is that Jesus spent more time when he was on earth talking about money and possessions than he did about heaven, because he understood that the chief competitor for our hearts, it wasn't going to be the devil, it was going to be our stuff. So we kind of went into this saying that if your money was on your side, if your money could give you some financial advice, you may not be shocked by what money would say, but what would your money say to you? And the first thing we think money would say is, is this, <clears throat> I can add meaning to your life, but I am not the meaning of life. That, that, that Your money would say that, that, that I, I can add meaning to your life, but, but I, I'm not the meaning of it. it. Life goes beyond money. There's something greater than money. There, there, there's a bigger means than there is with just money. And then we ask this question that I think all of us have to wrestle with. At some point in our lives, we've got to kind of wrestle the, 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 this question to the ground and have an answer for it. And we left week one with this question, and here's the question we asked. To what ends do you want your life to be a means? That if, if for something to be meaningful means that it has to add some kind of meaning, right? That it has to be lived in a way that there's a means to an end. Money, if we live with money as our, the center, as our ultimate, then the end of our lives is only us because it's only concerned about us. But if we begin to shift our focus, if we have an answer, if we want our lives to be meaningful, to what end do you want your life to be a means? And when we shift our focus and our heart in that direction, the interesting thing that we discovered is that money ultimately follows that was week one. In, in week two, we said this, that money would say, I'm a better servant than I am a master. I'm a better servant than I am a master. And then we, we followed up with this line, and, and no one likes this line, but it's so true. Your self-control determines which of us gets control or remains in control. I, I'm a better servant than I am a master. As money comes in, m- m- money's going to go out. But, it, but it, if, if you have no control, then I'm going to take control. And you'll live every day living for me. You'll spend the rest of your life living for me. The interesting thing, though, is that we can flip the script, can't we? we can, as we talked about last week, we can flip the script, and we can become the master. And we can tell money where to go. We can tell money how to go, and where to go, and how to be spent. I'm a better servant than I am a master. Your self-control determines which of us gets control. And, and then I believe uh, this week, here's where we're going to go this week, and this I think is really interesting. I, I think that in week three, Monday would say this to us, is that I'm easy to keep up with. But I am difficult to catch up with. Keep up or you'll be playing catch up. Much like it's easier to stay warm than it is to get warm. It's the same way with money. It's easier to keep up. It's easier to know where it's going. It's easier to know how much is coming in and how much is coming out and, and where it's going out than it is to kind of fall behind. Because when we fall behind, playing catch up is dangerous. Playing catch up stresses you out. Playing catch up is what keeps you up at night. It's what makes you worried. It's what puts that, that pit in your stomach when you're thinking about your finances and how you're going to pay a bill and, and how you're going to make ends meet this month. That, that, that feeling that you get on the inside is, is because of this. Keep up or you'll be playing catch up. And catch up is never fun. Catch up is what stresses you out. Catch up is what causes your body to begin to fight back. So how do we keep up? Really, I think the easiest thing to do is we need to have a plan for it. We need to have a plan for, for, for what money is coming in and where money is going. More than that, we need to be able to track what we're spending. And this is going to seem like a very practical message today, but I think this is the kind of message that if we can get right, we can see a huge change, not just in our finances, but in our personal lives, where we live with comfort, where we're not feeling stressed out and maxed out in that pit in our stomach, and we're not losing any sleep at night because we know where it's going. You see, what's interesting about money, and, and it's really, I find this only really about money, not about l- love or other interests, but when, when it comes to money, uh, I, we should never find ourselves saying this. We should never find ourselves saying, well, it, it seems to me, it, where's your money going? Well, it, it seems to me. We should never find ourselves saying, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not really sure. Well, how, wh- wh- what did you spend it on? I, I'm not really sure. Or, or how about this one? That, that can't be true. That, that, that can't be It's not really that way. You see, here's why we should never say these things. Because when money comes in, and money should be coming in, when money comes in, you, you and your wife, or you and your husband, or just you, you send it places, don't you? It comes in, and then you sit down and you send it places. Here's the thing: we should all know the places we're sending our money. We should all know where the money's going. We need to know where it's going so that we can begin to live life with, with some element of peace that we can, we, we can kind of plan and prepare for, for changes that make or whatever life throws at us. Money would say I'm easy to track. <clears throat> but lose track of me, and you will lose your peace of mind. And if you lose your peace of mind long enough, you'll begin to feel like you're losing your mind. And some of you know what I'm talking about, because some of you have been there. And just the the fact that I'm going to this place is is making you uncomfortable. And I want to acknowledge that. I'm with you. When when it comes to to families and and how we spend and how we save usually in every family, there's a saver and there's a spender. And I am infamous. I'm notorious. In in our staff meetings, they they crack jokes about it. I'm the spender. I like to spend. I, I like to see money come in, and then as quick as it comes in, I like to see it go out. I, I'm the guy we talked about last week, we, you know, you order stuff on Amazon, you get home and there's three Amazon boxes and you're like, what is it? I'm the guy, I don't know, this is great, it's like Christmas every other day, I'm that guy, so all of you spenders, you're, you're angry at me, it's okay, it takes one to know one, I am one, but, but there's another side of, of people who are here who are so happy we're hitting on this, inside you're like, yes, I'm so glad I brought him, I'm so glad she's here, <clears throat> Because this is, this is where the tension is. And not only does it create tension in our marriage, but if you're not married, I'm guessing this creates tension for you. At the end of the month, realizing there's not a month. Living paycheck to paycheck and hoping Friday hits on Wednesday or maybe even on Saturday because it's already gone before it comes in. If we're not careful, if we don't know where money's going, the next thing to go is our peace of mind. And then after that, it's our mind. And then we end up in a stressed out spot, not really knowing what we're doing. So we'd have to have a, a, a system, a system to track our expenses. We have to know where our money is going. And, and what I'm not talking about here is I'm not talking about a budget. So some of you can take a sigh of relief because you think, I, I did not want to have this talk today. I don't need a budget. I think everybody should have a budget, but, but this isn't this kind of message. I think we need something better than a budget. And here's why. Do you know what a budget is? A budget is just a theory, isn't it? A budget is a theory that rarely reflects reality, right? Th- th- that's what it is. We sit down and we create a budget, and this is like the ideal of what, what life could be or what life should be. We do all this work, and we, we, we pencil in what a budget is, and, and then we kind of put it away. I budgeted. I have a budget. But are, are, are you, you, you living on the budget? I don't know. I created the budget, right? Where, where, where do budgets live? Do anybody know where budgets live? In desktop folders. Because after you create it, and you're so proud of it, and you made it colorful, and you, you have beautiful categories, and you figured out all the formulas, you put it in a folder, and then it stays there. And you never come back to it. And, and, and that's the problem with, with budgeting, is that just creating a budget, it's just a theory. And if you're not tracking your expenses, it's like this old, old Seinfeld skit. He was talking about uh, car reservations, right? You can have a reservation, but unless you keep the car, what good's the reservation? This is the same way with the budget. You can create a budget, but if you're not tracking expenses, what good's the budget? Anybody can create a budget. It's tracking the expenses that makes the budget meaningful. And this is what where most of us end. We end with a budget. I did the hard work. I created a budget. And then we just live our lives, and we, we spend however we want. And we're never really keeping track of it. So so what I would propose is is we don't need a budget. We need a system for tracking our expenses. We need a simple way to track what we're actually expending. And and I say simple because in in this day, in this age, it's pretty simple. There is technology to help help with this. When we started in my marriage, my wife and I, we've been married about 14 years. And as I already said, she's the saver of the bunch. She's not here right now, so I get to say anything I want. She told me on her way here, she said, I'm going to come to second. So this service, you guys get to hear all, all the, the gritty <laughs> details. <clears throat> when we got, first got married, she was, she was the, the one who tracked our, our expenses. You know, I'm, I'm the, the saver. She brings in the money, and I spend the money. And <clears throat> she, we, uh, we didn't have the technology, or we, she's one of those people. Um, she has to hold, hold things and feel things. You know, we have everything. Our whole life's on a Google calendar. And then she transfers that all to a paper calendar so she can touch it. That's my wife. So at the end of the month, she would track all of our expenses. We'd have a pile of receipts, and she'd write it down on paper. And we used the cool graph paper. Some of you guys, you don't know what graph paper is. That's with the lines that just don't go horizontal, but they go vertical. It's really cool looking, and I was always willing to pay more for something that looked cool. So I got the graph paper for her to do our expenses on, but she'd track all of our expenses, all, all, of, all of the receipts. She'd write down every one of them the day it was purchased, and she'd categorize it with each category. And when we bought something that wasn't in a category, we'd create a new category for it. And she had a great idea of where our money was going. <clears throat> but me being the spender, even though she knew where the money was going, I didn't much care because I didn't see where it was going. And she got kind of fed up with my spending habits. So one day, I, I remember she was completely stressed out. like her, her body was fighting, and she was worried, and there was panic. And she said, I can't do this anymore. I've been telling you for months, here, it's yours. And she dropped all the receipts off to me. It was a Friday night, and I remember sitting down at my table and saying, all right, I'm going to get this in order. I don't you know, she, she's just stressed about everything. I'll figure this out. I slept till three in the morning, creating spreadsheets, working out calculations, looking at our, at our, over our books. I don't know why they call it books. It's just receipts. But I was looking over our books, and I put everything in order, and then she woke up Saturday morning, and now I was panicked. And the stress that hit me, and, and I, I came to her, and I said, honey, I can't believe this. Do you realize what we, and when I said we, we all know, pointing at me, it was me. Do you realize what we or, or, or me are spending on food and coffee each month? And then I get this look from my wife and husbands. You know what I'm talking about. It's the look you get when she's been saying something, like, for months, and you completely ignore her, and then you hit the idea, and it's like your idea, right? Like, like I have this original idea. Did you realize what we've been spending on food and coffee or what I've been spending on food and coffee for a month? And she looks up at me like, yeah, that's what I've been saying for months. And it finally hit me. And from that point on, we've had some system to track how how we're we're spending. And it's gone from spreadsheets to apps, back to spreadsheets to apps, whatever whatever tool you want to use, graph paper, legal pads, whatever you have to use. There has to be a simple way. And, And today it couldn't be simpler, more simple to find a way to track your expenses. Here's the the cool thing, that when you begin to track your expenses, when you begin to see where things are going, when you begin to see how much is going into certain categories, it's it's really easy to kind of take a step back from that, isn't it? So I I don't know that I want it going there. Because when you know where where your money's going, you're more inclined to hog it. And I know some of you don't like that because that that sounds kind of selfish. It sounds kind of almost negative. I don't want to hog my, my resources or my money. So here's a polite way of saying it. When you know what you're going to record it, you'll be more inclined to consider whether or not you should afford it. It's like, uh, you don't have to raise your hands for this. Have you ever, uh, I was going to ask this, have you ever downloaded one of those apps where you kind of track the food you eat? And I, I don't want you to have to raise your hands, but um, I'm going to have you raise your hands. You ever download one of those apps where you track the food you eat? You, you, you kind of put your food in. Any, anybody else? Come on, raise your hands. Be honest. You're in church. <clears throat> I did. <laughs> This is the first year I'm trying to get healthy, and, and this is one of my, one of the, my goals for the year was, was to get healthy and track what I eat. And, and I download one of those apps, and it's, it's kind of cumbersome at first. You know, it's a little tiresome. You have to plug in everything you eat, and I don't want to plug it in. Truthfully, not to, I'm just a little lazy, but then I don't want to see how many calories come out of it. And it's a little distracting. And, but you begin to do this for a while, and you begin to get into a system because we kind of, we eat, you know, kind of the same things all the time. What's interesting is as you begin to categorize it, it it, it kind of helps this little thing go off in the back of the mind before you eat something. I don't know that I really want to put that on there. I don't know that I want to have to record that I went out and got a Big Mac and fries. Like, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna find an alternative. If you're anything like me, you kind of, you know, you set your calories, whatever it might be, you know, four thousand thirty-five, whatever your daily caloric intake is. But you, you, you kind of face this that at the end of the day, you have some left over. I have like 600 calories, I can have that brownie, even though that's like 800, who cares? I I can have the ice cream sundae if that's what you like. You're kind of a little more prone to to, to change how you're you're eating because you're keeping track of it. It's the same way with our money, that when we're keeping track of it, we're a little more prone to think twice about, "Do, do I really want to spend that there? Do I want to know that at the end of the month, my going out, my entertainment budget was more than my mortgage, like no, I probably shouldn't do that. Because when you're going to record it, you'll be more inclined to consider whether or not you should afford it. And, and then here's the interesting thing. And I know, that, again, this sounds a little erroneous. There have been times in my life where, where we've come back to this and, you know, it's work. It's work to have to sit down and, and tally your receipts and tally your finances. And, and, you know, often I'll ask you, like, do we really have to do this? We, we've, we're pretty good. We know where it's going. And and sure enough, she'll push back like, no, we have to do this. And she reminds me, okay, we're going to keep doing it. And really, there's two reasons. And one, we're going to hit in just a minute. But but, uh, the the second reason we we do this is because I want to be able to preach this on a Sunday morning. And for moral authority's sake, I'm going to make sure we keep doing it. That way I can ask you to do it because I wouldn't ask you to do something that I'm not doing or wouldn't do. But but, but here's what what, uh, developing this kind of habit does. Is that in the paycheck-to-paycheck seasons, this takes the pressure off. There are seasons in life when you're living paycheck to paycheck, and there there have been two times in our marriage where the financial pressure has kind of built up so much that we've kind of had to take a step back financially, and we've had to be careful how we spend. And, you know, the first thing that we tend to go to is, well, we tend to pick up the budget. Well, let's just make some changes. But if we're not living on the budget, what good is the budget? So we look at our expenses. Well, where can we pull from? Well, we won't go out as much, or we'll we'll cut this, or we'll we'll sell this. We'll, We'll make an adjustment. And going back financially, it's never something we're proud of. It's never something we want to do. But but whether because of a season of life or, you know, you lost a job or somebody got sick and couldn't work but whatever, whatever reason it might be, whatever setback happens, there are reasons and there are ways we kind of take a step back. And in those seasons where you feel like you're living paycheck to paycheck, this takes the pressure off because the habit's there and it's easy to say, hey, here's what we can do. Yeah, we're losing this much money. Well, here's the cuts we can make. We know exactly where our money's going. And the pressure comes off. But, but here's the second. And, and this, is, this is kind of the first reason why I think we need to continue in, in having this habit. is because when you move out of that paycheck-to-paycheck season into the years of plenty, and I know some of you, you don't feel like there are years of plenty. It's like, well, I'm not, I'm not making that much. But the pressure's off. And you're making more than enough. And in those years where it's years of plenty, this habit puts the pressure on. Because it's really easy in this season to not want to track it. Well, we're making enough we have more than enough i've looked at the budget there's a few extra zeros at the end of the month i don't have to worry too much and when we get into this season of life what ends up happening is we become a little more loose with where our money goes and we're not really sure which way our money's headed and we can't really track it we don't know where it's going and the reason all of this matters and if you're here and you're not a christian This is kind of like your loophole in this, although I do think everything we've said so far, if you put it in in place in your life, it would help you, and it would create some stability and some peace of mind and create some great habits that would build a future for you. But for those who are Christians, as we talked about last week, Jesus had a lot to say about this. Jesus had an awful lot to say about this, about what we think of as our money and how we're spending our money. And when we move from the the, the seasons where the pressure's on from paycheck to paycheck and we move into the years of plenty, it's important to know where your money's going. Because the more money you make, the more you have and the more you make, the closer attention you should pay to where it's going. So here's what I'm going to do. Last week we instituted a challenge. Remember that challenge? It was a two-month challenge. It it was two months to live on a percentage to basically say, at the beginning, I want to choose a percentage of my income and I want to give it away to, to a nonprofit or to a ministry or to an organization that's doing something I'm passionate about. today I'm going to, I'm going to give you another challenge. And I know it's going to challenge you, but I think this one's even a little bit easier than it was last week. For some of you, this might feel a little bit harder, but, but here's the challenge. For two months, for two months, I want to challenge you to document your spending. That's it. For two months, just document where the, where the spending is, how, how, where your money's going. Sit down. Get a a piece of graph paper or a legal pad or use an app. Some of you use, you know, the the Cash App or Venmo. It's easy to track your expenses. Track where your money's going. And and there are always oppositions to this, right? Some of you use credit cards for everything, and I always kind of get this kind of pushback. Well, my credit card does all that for me. They always kind of go to this one credit card in particular. My Amex categorizes all that for me. That's great, but you need to know. You need to know where it's going. You, You need to know and not just American Express needs to know. You need to be able to track your expenses. So here's the challenge. Document your spending for two months, and then I want you to sit down, and I want you to look at it. Now, here's the thing. I don't want you to do this for a year because you think that, I'll never do that for a year. Don't look at this and make this such a big deal. I'll never come back to this. I'll never do this again. Two months. Two months. Sit down with your husband. Sit down with your wife. Sit down with your significant other, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your fiance. Sit down by yourself in your kitchen. And begin to track your expenses and then look at it and then adjust if necessary you would be shocked how many people when they begin to say this that i had no idea how much of my money was going i had no idea i was spending this much money there i had no idea we were living this close to the line some people i had no idea we were living over the line how are we going to recover track for two months look at it and then if you have to adjust And for those who who, who do everything on a credit card and and, and categorize it, you you need to know where it's going. This isn't an excuse for you. Knowing you can know is not the same as knowing. Get your credit card statements. Just write down everything that Amex has already categorized for you. Know where your money is going. And and here's why I I think this is so vital for us to do this. Jesus had this this incredible uh, idea of money. Right? He, he had this, this whole idea of money, and we talked about this last week, that, that, that our money is not just our own, but that it was given to us from God. And, and we're willing to, to bet so much on the words of Jesus. I mean, th- think about this. We bet our entire eternity on the words of John. In John's gospel, right? in, in John, he's recording this incredible conversation with Nicodemus and Jesus. Nicodemus is this this Pharisee, this Pharisee who's interested in Jesus but, but, but doesn't want anyone else to know. So he comes and he visits Jesus at night. And they have this incredible conversation, and Jesus is talking to him about, about what he's doing and how he's changing the world. And John, later on in his life, as he's kind of writing this down for other people to read, and he, he's, I almost imagine he's getting so excited about the story at this point. He's saying, how do I make everyone know what Jesus is trying to say? And he steps out of the conversation, and he writes the words that so many of us know. Whether you've been in church or not, my guess is you've heard this, this scripture. For God so loved the world, That he gave, that he gave his one and only son. Whoever would believe in him would have eternal life. They would not be separated from God. There would not be an eternal separation. They wouldn't lose God, and God wouldn't lose them. But they would be with God forever. You see, we've been our entire eternity on these words. Some of us have, have trusted our entire eternity to God. It's somewhere along the lines. We've said a prayer that went something like this. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins. I believe he is who he is, and I make him Lord of my life. We've entrusted our entire eternity to the words of Jesus. It's amazing. We said this last week. You've defined your entire relationship with God based on Jesus' invitation to address God as Father. His disciples, Jesus, how do we pray? How do we pray? Jesus said, here's how you pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then he said, here's this whole relationship with God. You have this idea that this is this this cosmic God who's out there and disconnected from humanity. He said, nothing could be further from the truth. I want you to connect to God as heavenly father because he is like a father who loves you perfectly. And now every time we pray, we start our prayers off how? Heavenly father. We base our entire relationship with God on the words of Jesus. It's easy to trust him with that, isn't it? It's easy to trust him with with some of these things, with with our sins, with our eternity. We talked this morning about our fear. It's easy to come to God and trust God with our fear. So let me ask you this. Why wouldn't you lean as heavily on what Jesus had to say about money and possessions? Why is it that we're so willing to trust him with all these other areas of our life, with our eternity, with our relationship with our heavenly father, God, but when it comes to our money and possessions, like nope, you're wrong there. See, he had so much to say, and some of us are, are, are so resistant to let him in because we feel that, like, but it's, it's it's mine. And then Jesus tells us a parable. It's a parable we looked at before. It's a parable I'm sure you're familiar with. He tells us a story. And in every one of Jesus' parables, every one of his stories, there's this connection. There's this parallel with reality. Somebody in the story always represents God. Somebody in the story always represents people or us or Jesus' audience. Jesus tells the story. And I'm not going to read the whole parable for you because we've looked at it before. And my guess is you know it already. He tells a story about connecting the kingdom of God to earth. And that's what parables did. They connected the kingdom of God, heaven. To earth, and he said, here's how, here's how it is. Here's how it should be. He says it this way again it will be like a man, like a rich man, like a wealthy man going on a journey who calls his servants and entrusts his wealth to them. You see, this is, this is the idea Jesus is giving. He said, up until this point, everyone thought, like, well, what I, what I earned is mine. He said, no, no, no. The, the, this whole thing, everything you have, this, this whole idea of God on earth and the kingdom here and your kingdom here, it, it's kind of like, like God's this rich guy who's invited you to go along a journey, and he's given you his wealth. In the parable, it's really interesting. He, he gives one of his servants, like five bags of silver, and one of his servants, two bags, and one, one bag. And he basically says this. He says, here's what I want you I'm going away. I'm entrusting my wealth to you. Right? (laughs) How much money do they have? Zero. How much money does he have? All all of it. And he says, I'm entrusting my wealth to you, and I want you to do something with it. I want you to invest it. I want you to do something uh, so that there's a return, so that when I return, there's a return on my wealth. And that's what his his servants do. The one with five invested and he doubles the money. The one with two invested and he doubles the money. And then there's one with one. He does nothing. He's scared and he hides the money. What's interesting here is when you look at the heart of the matter, at the heart of what's happening here, is that the servant who's being corrected, who did nothing with the money, Jesus wasn't correcting him because of the amount that he had to manage. It had nothing to do with the amount that he had to manage. There was correction because of what they did with what they were asked to manage. So for some of us, we come back to this thing, well, it's just an amount, right? It's how much I earn and how much I make and how much can I give away. This is the very reason, this whole idea of amounts, this is the very reason that I don't preach heavily on the tithe. And I've been asked, well, we need to preach about tithing. Why don't you teach more on tithing? Because some churches are all about tithing, and a tithe is 10%. And here's why I've avoided the whole idea of of keep coming back to this idea that it's 10%. Because that gives you the idea. That gives us kind of the feeling that it's all mine. And if I just take what I have and I give a little bit to God, then God's pleased. And he says, I'll just give you a bunch more in return. See, but that's not what Jesus said. Jesus never even taught the, the tithe. What Jesus taught from this parable is that it was all God's. It's all his. He's entrusting you with some. And part of what he wants you to do with it is to be generous and to give. And we kind of live our lives, and I know at this point in the message, it's hard and it's heavy and you're wishing you stayed home. But if God's entrusted it to you, there's this amazing, amazing thought that comes along with this. The pressure comes off a little bit. Because here's the thing, if you're just a money manager, money managers, we don't feel guilty, do we? Because it's somebody else's money. Money managers, we, we feel responsible and we feel accountable for how much of it? For all of it. Because it's not ours, it's been entrusted to us and we were asked to do something with it. And when the master comes back and he says, hey, what did you do with the money that I've given you? I hope our response is, well, it seems, I'm not really sure. Because we should never be saying that about our money. We can say that about other things that we're unsure of, of. Right? There's a lot of mystery around love and romance. There's a lot of mystery around how to raise kids. There's a lot of mystery in life, but there should never be mystery when it comes to our money and where it's going. You see, we should know where our master's money is going. We should know. So every once in a while, we have to stop. We have to look. You see, where this really hits, hits close to home, and this is what makes a lot of us uncomfortable, is what we do with our money, how we spend our money, where our money is going, our habits, how we manage money speaks volumes about who and whose we are. And for some of us, we've allowed Jesus into every corner of our life, except there. We show up and we serve. We pray, we go to small group. We go to church every Sunday. We read our Bible every day. But this is mine. And Jesus said, here's the indicator. here's Here's the way, here's how you'll know that they're mine. Follow their money. He had this amazing saying that that, that I'm sure you've heard of before. Where your your treasure is, your heart will be also. He said, follow their money because their heart's there too. Track your spending. Where's it going? Is it headed to a place where you want to say at the end of the day, that's not where I want my heart to be? Because if it is, Here's the amazing thing. You have the ability to change it. And when you begin to shift where your heart is, your money follows as well. Where your treasure is, your heart is there also. Whose and who are you? Is this still your kingdom? or, Or for those of you who are Jesus followers, and I get it, those of you who aren't Christians, you are so happy at the end of this message that you're not a Christian and you're not held accountable to this. But for those of us who have made Jesus our Savior and our Lord, this is hard, and it feels heavy. But Jesus said, this is the indicator. This is the litmus test of who's and who you are. Follow your money, because that's where your heart is too. And ultimately, Jesus isn't concerned about your money. He doesn't need it. You're not taking it to heaven when you go see him anyway. He's concerned about what's attached to your money. And that's your heart. That's really what it's always been about. It's always been about you. And it's always been about him being able to have a relationship with you. And he wants to know, are you in? Am I in there? Or is that the one area of your life you're never going to let me see? Because if you pushed me out, we're not really together. Whose and whose are you? Follow that money. If money could talk, what would it say? Money would say, I could add meaning to your life, but I am not the meaning of life. Money would say, I'm a better servant than I am a master. And your self-control determines which one of us gets control and remains in control. And finally, it would say, I'm easy to keep up with, but I am difficult to catch up with. What you do with me will speak volumes about who and whose you are. So as we wrap up our message, I've asked the worship team to come. They're going to close with a song <clears throat> this morning, that trusting God in an area that, that for so many of us is difficult to trust God with. But, but here's what I want to do before we close out the service. <clears throat> I want to give you guys a gift. We've talked often about putting our money where our mouth is. I, I, I believe in the idea of being able to honor God with our money and not for the sake of giving it here. If you're uncomfortable with this, don't give your money here. Find another place to give it. This isn't about the church getting money by any means. This is about you allowing God into all of your life and your heart. There's a book in the back that our ushers and our guest service volunteers are going to make sure you get. It's called Fields of Gold. It's about what happens when we align our heart with God's mission and vision for our money. The the, the amazing thing in this is is that this pulls the pressure off. That when we begin to track and when we begin to allow God in, the pressure comes off. Because it's all God's anyway. And if he wants you to do something you feel like you can't afford, here's the thing. He'll either help you afford it or you shouldn't do it. Because it's all his. He just wants to know, am I there? Whose and whose are you? Heavenly Father, I thank you. God, for every person here, I thank you for... for, God, I, I know the difficulty in this message, but I also know the freedom that comes with this message when we are willing to allow you into every area of our life. God, even the one that we hold so close and so dear and we don't allow anyone to speak into. But God, when we allow you to speak into it, there is freedom and there is peace God, and I pray that for every person here. God, I I pray for no more sleepless nights and no more anxiety and no more worry and stress and pressure, God, and even depression that would come with it. I I pray that that we would release this to you, that we would allow you in. And God, by by tracking our expenses, by doing something as simple as just tracking where it's going, we could make adjustments and we could begin to put our, our heart where we want it to be. And then our money would follow. Give us the wisdom to know what to do with this message, God, and the courage to take that step In Jesus' name.